Thank you, Pastor. That's a, uh, that's a lot of hyperbole about a fat redneck from Hines County. Amen. But uh, it's good to be here. The last time I saw Brother Prince, he was in short britches. He was in, he was in a, about like that. I don't know how you've gotten so large and I haven't aged. I don't know what's happening there. Uh, it is good to be back in the land of my nativity, Mississippi. And I, I feel like I might have stumbled up into some cooks. I got an idea that some of these girls can lean up against a stove and do some damage. And uh, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I've been known to preach for some good banana pudding. Amen. And uh, this week is my favorite week of the year. Uh, well, actually, it begins my favorite month. The last half of November and the first two, well, I'm going to back up one more time. My favorite month and a half starts about right now uh, because you know calories don't count during this time of the year. Amen. And uh, I, uh, I, I lost last year way down. Man, I, whoo, I was back down to my fighting weight. And... Uh, I didn't like it. They asked me, said, how'd you lose all that weight? I lost 80 pounds. Said, how'd you lose all that weight? I've been in a bad mood for 18 months. <laughs> I've been in a real bad mood for a year and a half. But I keep asking my wife, babe, when do you get to the age where you just go, ah, hook it, I'm eight. And she said, as long as you live in this house, that age probably won't ever get here. I felt threatened, amen. <clears throat> but she's one of those people that can eat anything she wants and don't gain weight. There's a special place reserved in Hades for them people. I don't even trust them. I do not trust an apostolic that can't gain weight. Take you, for instance. The Lord is not a respecter of persons. This scripture gives me great pause when I look at him. Amen. Mississippi is my home. It's where I was raised up most of my life. My dad pastored multiple churches in Mississippi, burned a couple, fixed a couple. I, I don't know how it all worked out, but uh, he, uh, I grew up down here, and then they moved me up to Virginia, and uh, that was the Lord's fault, and uh I've been there ever since, 
but God's been good to us. 26 years ago, Christmas Day, we took five people, two tithe payers, including me, and um, we were $700,000 in debt. They had started a building program uh, with uh, no money. <laughs> There's a difference in walking by faith and walking by dumb. Amen. And um, the, yes, Lord. And uh, we will, they're, they're, they're putting mud and tape on the drywall on a new 18,000 square foot facility uh, for us that we will move into up there 18,000 square feet, so somewhere around four to five million. And uh, that's if they're in a good mood. And uh, we'll only owe about a million dollars on it. And people say, well, man, how did you do that? And the true answer is this, I don't have a clue. We just preached, prayed, worshiped, loved people, taught Bible studies, sought God, were faithful, kept coming, kept preaching, kept loving. And the next thing you know, you turn around and look what the Lord has done. Amen. 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 I'd love to tell you I had a 12-step program that I laid out in prayer one day, but it ain't the truth. The truth is I didn't know what I was doing. Some days I don't think I still know what I'm doing. But uh, I just know a few things to do. I know we got to pray. I don't care who you are, you can't live for God without praying. If you want to know how that is feeling spiritually, just take a big deep breath and hold it till Thursday. That's how that feels when you don't pray. Somebody said amen. And we just started preaching about being faithful. Coming to church when you feel like it and when you don't. And when you get there, don't sit there and look like you're sucking on a persimmon. Come and be joyful. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, come on. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. In case you're wondering what I'm doing right now, how many of you have ever spent a night in a hotel? You know it ain't your bed. And so it takes a good 30 minutes to wall her around till you get comfortable enough to go to sleep. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm walking around. I'm getting comfortable. Amen. But I love what I feel here. I have never been inside this church. And I probably spent more 480 degree Saturdays in Potts Camp, Mississippi playing softball my whole life. I used to come up here with Amzie Kraft. He's my uncle. And uh, his mother his wife and my mother's sisters and we used to come up here and some days we'd leave happy and some days we wouldn't but some days we got you jokers amen amen we got you and then some days we got got amen but it was a lot of fun a lot of fun I got great memories here but I tell you what here and the campground for the United Pentecostal Church International in Mississippi is the hottest two places in August and July on the face of the planet. Right here. Tell you, boy, your toenails, man. But I'm glad to be here tonight and I'm glad to finally be in this church. This is a famous church when I was growing up and uh, I love what I feel. And I'm starting to get to 
feel the reason why this church has been a success so long. There seems to be a hunger for the things of God in you and a willingness to do what is necessary to maintain them and propagate them. And God's going to bless it. Somebody said amen. I was asked to come here tonight, and I was glad to do so. And I want to deal with the subject tonight. It's a little touchy for some folks. But when you really understand God and your Bible and understand what you're getting for all this, it's not touchy at all. It's a welcome subject. So I'm going to preach and do what I was asked to do. And uh, I hope you still love me afterwards. And uh, we'll, we'll get along and we'll be all fine. Everybody said amen. How many of you got your, your Thanksgiving britches picked out? You need something to work with a feller. You don't need nothing fighting you. You need something to work with you. Elastic is the key to this thing. Elastic. Go up to Walmart, get some of them ugly, cheap stuff that your daddy wears when he retires. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They got elastic around the ankle. They got elastic in the way, and you get them right up here. That way you ain't going to fight them up and down all day. Just get them tucked in right there. Ease up to a table, and the last man chewing wins. My favorite holiday, amen. It's good to be here with your pastor and his wife and his family. And I was asking about the baby girl, and he told me she's already dating somebody. I got boys. He's got girls. I mean, but he said it's already taken, so I'm going to slink back to Virginia. Amen. First Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17 will begin in verse 8. I'm going to try to preach this in under two hours. Thus far, I've not been successful, but there's always a first. Amen. But if you promise me food afterwards, I can be bribed. I ain't cheap, but I am for sale. Amen. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, everybody say, Elijah. Said, Arise, get thee to Zarephath. You know what the word Zarephath basically translates out to mean? It means that you've been trapped with your own mouth. Anybody know anybody who's always saying they're poor and broke and ain't going to have food next week? Anybody here got grandparents? <laughs> um, we need to break something in Pentecost. We need to break this poor me mentality. And we need to learn the power of our own words. They did a study at Stanford University. 15-year double-blind study, and they published the findings about a year ago. It was amazing. She said we started cultivating one group that had negative speak, and the other we began to train to replace all the negative utterances speaking with these words, I'm excited. Just two words, I'm excited. And they would map their brain activity during this. And all of the receptors where fear 
and anxiety reside and activate in your brain would kick on like Christmas on their screens when they'd start talking about how negative things were and how bad things were and what might happen and what could happen. But when they began to train them to say, I'm excited, he said it literally is like you turned a light switch off. The fear and the anxiety is replaced by a part of your brain that when you say, I'm excited, it lights up and that's where all of your emotions of love and compassion and emoting feel good. I'm excited. I've got to go to work in the morning. No, God's blessed you with a job. I'm excited. Man, we got a lot of work in front of us this week. We got two choices at the end of that sentence. I'm excited. We got a service here where God wants to do something. The Lord came to him, the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise. Everybody say it was an order. Say he didn't choose to do it. Arise and go down to that place where they are overtaken with their own negativity which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Don't just go visit. Go move down there for a little bit. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. Now listen to me. Every time that I can find where God starts talking about either you sacrificing for the kingdom or going to... <laughs> teaching us about blessing and money. He always uses a widow. Now, a widow in this time was much different than a widow now. We have social security now. They had none of that. The word widow was synonymous with hungry. He said, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain the apostolic preacher. So he arose and he went to Zarephath and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks and he called unto her and said, I do not recommend this for any of you husbands, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, oh yeah, I'm hungry too, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Verse 12. And she began to show us why they call that place Zarephath. She said, as the Lord, watch this, thy God liveth. This ain't my God. This is your God. As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And watch this. Furthermore, sir, I'm gathering two sticks. Anything you can cook with two sticks ain't much. I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it. That means cook it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. 
She's already reconciled herself that this is the last meal she'll ever have. This is all she's got left in the world. She doesn't have a husband and she has no hope. I'm going to do this and then when I'm going to die. And Elijah said unto her, you got to know God sent you before you start this business. And Elijah said unto her, fear not. That's easy for you to say. You're a big fat apostolic preacher. You can tell me that didn't go through her mind, but I, I almost can assure you it did. Hey, don't be afraid. Fear not, but make me thereof a little cake first. And I'm sure in her brain, because everyone thinks as cynically as I do, I'm sure she said, what part of there ain't enough for us to live on do you not get? And then he said this, make me the cake first and bring it to me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. Sir, did you not hear the part about there's only a little bit for me and the boy and we're going to die? There's not enough to make you one and then go back and make me one. We don't have any groceries. And then he says this, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Verse 15 is probably the most faith-filled word you'll ever read in the Bible. It is probably the most faith-filled verse in the Scripture. Verse 15, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Notice, not God, the man of God. And she, I love this part, and he and her house did eat many days. I don't think you got that, so I'm going to back up, ease back by you with it again. And she, everybody say the woman. And he, say her son. Watch this, and her house, the same word used when they talk about the house of David and the house of Saul, it meant everybody attached to them. There is something that takes place in the supernatural realm when you obey the word of the Lord and you sacrifice and lay it on the line it's not just you and your family that's blessed. It unlocks a revival. Oh, come on. It unlocks. It's more than you and your house. It's everybody you're related to. Anybody in here got some relatives need the Holy Ghost? Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody in here been praying for somebody to come to the Lord for years? I want to talk to you for just a little while from this subject, unlocking the supernatural. Unlocking the supernatural. How many of you would like to have the supernatural power of God come into your family? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything. Well, I'm fixing to show you how to unlock it. You may be seated. Now, I want to begin and preface my remarks before I start preaching about this that I am not a prosperity preacher. You can't sacrifice enough to overcome dumb. 
Everybody say stewardship. Say sacrifice. These are two principles in the scripture that are often looked at as though they're at odds. They are not. There's nothing in the Bible that is at odds with the other part of the Bible. It's God's word, God's mind, the revelation of God's thoughts. God is not hypo... <laughs> he, he's not nuts. Okay, God makes sense. So watch me. Everybody say the context of. The context of your everyday existence must first and foremost be stewardship. Now, this will be different. I'll come back and preach, and I promise you I'll show out. I'll spit and slobber and kick and holler and preach my socks down around my ankles, but tonight I'm going to treat you a little bit because I don't want you giving out of emotion. I want you to give because you understand the Word of God and you believe it. That's important. Because we're not trying to take your money. We're trying to help you unlock the supernatural provision of God in your life. Watch me so that he can elevate you. Yes, sir. Why is it so important that God elevate me? Because the kingdom of God's needs are growing. Thus, we need the kingdom of God's people to grow and be elevated to be able to meet those needs. Somebody said amen. amen. And so stewardship, good management, good sense. Horse sense, as my mama would say. I don't know if y'all say horse sense anymore, but horse sense. My dad said to be a pastor, you got to be like a horse. You got to have one third of your personality like the horse's head, good sense, and the other two thirds of your personality like the other end of the horse. I don't know if Pops was right. But he sure had the other two-thirds down pat. Amen. Woo. He'd climb your tree. Stewardship is the context of your existence. You have to manage every day. You have to make good decisions. Just because so-and-so gets a new something don't mean you got to have one. The one you got's working. Save your money. Act like you got good sense. Manage. Do you know what a steward is? By definition, a steward is someone who is in charge of things that don't belong to them but belong to someone else. Everything you have in the world belongs to God. Do you believe the Bible? Everything belongs to God. Every dime you've ever made or ever will make comes from the mercies of God. He gave you the body and the breath and the mind to be able to go out there and get it. It's his. And he is so generous that he lets you keep most of it. Everybody say, that's the context of my life. So how do, we, how do we take and juxtapose sacrifice into that context of living? You do it this way. Every day is stewardship day. But sacrifice is seasonal. And if you're not a good steward when it comes to the season of sacrifice, you're the one that's going to be in Zarephath saying, well, I just can't afford to do this and that. Well, no, if you're not managing God's resources properly, you're going to be able to say, I can't afford it. But I got bad news. The key to unlocking supernatural provision 
is when you say, I'm going to be the good steward so that when it is the season of sacrifice, I can take the key that unlocks the power of God and I'm going to use it in its sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is not designed and defined as giving everything you got. That violates stewardship. I preach this message and pastors say, my God, you spent 20 minutes trying to talk them out of giving. Let me tell you why. I am not here after money. I am here to unlock your mind biblically so that you'll say, wait a minute, I've never thought of that. That's Bible. We're going to start adding that to our life just like we added Acts 2.38 to it. There are three principles I'm going to tell you tonight. I'm going to try to sharpen the stick, stab you in the eye with a stick, and we're going to go eat. The first thing is, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to realize we are living in the last days. They said it would take somewhere, I live in the middle of one large military base. The whole state of Virginia is a military base. I have men in my church that were on SEAL Team 6. And believe it or not, your, your body type is a SEAL body type. Me and him, we're more Thanksgiving people. No, that's a walrus, not a seal. We look like walruses. I wish it wasn't so either, but I don't wish it enough that I ain't going to back up from the table come this week. We'll do that in February. February's diet month. Or as some people call it, damage control. They tell me that it'll take somewhere around 125 to 150 thermonuclear weapons to destroy America's ability to respond. Think about that. 125 to 150 strategically placed nuclear weapons to destroy America's ability to respond militarily to anything in the world. Israel, they said, on the other hand, will take one thermonuclear bomb, just one, and the whole nation's gone. You, you, you with me now? People say, well, my God, you're scaring us. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to get you to think. We are living in a time when we're one bomb away from Armageddon. We are one bomb away from the end of time as you and I know it. Now, if you understand anything, now I don't know if you're pre, mid, or post. I am, uh, if God's voting, taking votes, I'm, I'm pre. Get me out of him. I don't want, I don't want fervent heat. I've played softball in Potts Camp. That's all the fervent heat I want. I don't want to die with a bomb. I don't want to melt. I don't want to see my eyeballs melt. If you can see your eyeballs melt, that's a concept I'm going to have to think through. But anyway, that, that, that we're one bomb away. What are you saying to us? I'm trying to get your attention. I told you I'm going to preach. The difference in preaching and preaching is you holler in different spots. <clears throat> 
we are, we, we're literally a hair's breadth from this entire thing wrapping up. You say, are you preaching it's about to? No, but I'm telling you, what, what, this, what this does is it shows us how quickly God can wrap this thing up. We, we, we read the newspaper and we get so, so settled in ourselves. Well, we're in America, Fortress America. We're fine here. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. We are as close as we've ever been to the coming of the Lord. This thing in the, in the Middle East right now with Hamas and Israel, what this shows me is this. Uh, we were just rocking along and everything was fine. Uh, and all of a sudden one night they started killing babies and raping women and slaughtering innocents uh, and tearing up Jack. Uh, and overnight uh, we were that close to the end of the earth. It is not going to take as long as you think it's going to take. Well, I know prophecy. There's nine things that's got to happen. And he can snap his fingers and they happen. And the next thing you know, the trump of God is sounding. What I'm saying to you is this. You don't have to be a scholar to realize we don't have long to work for God. And whatever we're going to do, we've got to do it right now. Everybody say urgency. One of the things that drives me nuts about apostolic people, of which I am one, is the fact that sometimes we get so unfocused on why we're here and the purpose of why we've been saved. Do you realize, sitting in Potts Camp, Mississippi tonight, that there's almost 8 billion people on the face of this planet and God chose you and your family to reveal himself to as the mighty God in Christ? Do you realize how precious and how privileged we are? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We need to remember who we are and we need to remember Remember the gratitude that's supposed to come to us when we think you could have chosen anybody else, but you chose me. Come on, there's a debt that's going to be owed. Something's going to begin to dawn on you. I wasn't called to warm a bench. I was called to do something. So let's understand what we need. We've been given a mission. We've been given a privileged position to whom much is given. Come on, to whom much is given. That's what I call a key scripture. It applies to every single thing in your life. But we in Pentecost have done a jam up good job Preaching about spiritual preparation. We don't smoke. We don't cuss. We don't chew. We don't hang out with women that do. We, 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 we. Brother Kraft used to have a woman. She was in her 90s. And she'd come to church. She'd dip snuff. And she'd take a songbook and rip out two pages of the songbook. Drove him nuts. He wanted, to, he wanted to beat that woman to death with the songbook. 
and she'd roll them up, pinch it off on the bottom, make a spittoon, and sit in church. Glory! <laughs> and you could see that vein come out on that bald head. <laughs> Many times I've prayed, Lord, don't let him have a stroke. It's just snuff. And she don't know no better. But we have preached against all that stuff, and rightfully so. We've preached all kind of stuff. Man, we've cleaned them up, shaped them up, shined them up, took a brillo pad to them, took a buffing pad, just buffed them down, man. We got them gleaming and shining. But they don't know how to be aware of the times. Hmm. Well, Brother Varnell, man, we're preparing for the mission. Well, what are you doing? Well, we're praying. That's great. Got to do that. Can't live without prayer. Well, we're fasting. You got to do that. I hate it, but dear God, it's in the Bible. And some things can only be fixed by fasting. Boy, I wish there were some verses that wasn't in there. If God had asked me, we'd have changed some stuff. Radical worship. I got to be a worshiper. That's all true. None of those things are untrue. None of those things are unnecessary. All those things are new, are necessary for the mission. None of you got the Holy Ghost in a dead, dry service. Somebody that come from work that was exhausted worshiped God to invite his spirit in and they took accountability and responsibility for the atmosphere in which babies can be born and they didn't sit there in Zarephath and talk about how tired they and talk about how tired they were. They got up on creaky old knees and they began to give God glory. His spirit manifested and you were saved. And I'm right back to whom much is given, much is required. Yes, sir. However, there is a place that most apostolics stop with their understanding because we really do believe that if I pray and fast enough, then all the problems will be handled and all the obstacles overcome. But most often that's simply dealing with our own flesh and consecration because it ain't easy to keep our hides in line. And as a result of that, we have lost in a large degree the supernatural in our midst. How many of you have sat in this congregation and heard some of your elders reminisce about the days when miracles were more prevalent? My dad died Christmas, uh, right before Christmas two years ago. And I was sitting with him the last week of his life. He got real quiet, as they do right before they pass away. And he was sitting in his chair. He had bone cancer, did not want treatment, had whipped it three times, said, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm 80 years old, I'm going to heaven. And everybody didn't understand it. And he said, I don't care if they understand it. He ain't the one having to live with it. I ain't taking the mess. I'm going to be with Jesus. You got to respect that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's, not the Christ. he's not sitting in Zarephath whining about it. In fact, he told us, don't you be sad for me. I've lived my whole life to get right here. If you pray me back, I'm going to be the maddest man in America. That's what he'd tell us. Tell about not hear nothing about no healing. Said, I want to hear about home going. You got to respect that. He said, I'm going to tell you why. He said, because over there seems way more appealing than over here. He said, I've served my time. Let me out of here. I was raised by different people. 
And I said, Dad, why you don't think we see miracles like you used to when you were a kid? He said, it's real simple, son. It's called insurance. I'm like, huh? We're talking about spiritual things, Dad. Why, why don't we see miracles? He said, insurance. He said, insurance has done one thing to the apostolic church. It's made us Jesus second and doctors first. I'm not against doctors. I don't like to go. If I tell you I go, the doctor get me there quick because I'm about to die. I'll do just about anything to avoid a doctor. And Dennis, I don't like him either. All that grinding and oh my God. And that smell. I don't even know why they make the chair like this. Just make a board because I'm stiff as a... <laughs> so you say, oh, I love to go to the dentist. You're nuts. Something's the matter with you. They drop, your parents dropped you on your head at Walmart. <laughs> but my dad said he firmly believes the reason why that we don't see the miracles we have had been seen in his day and time, he says we don't even ask for them. The first thing we ask is, you, you got the number of that doctor? And the reason why we do it is we know it ain't coming out of our pocket. We've paid the insurance or we work for the company that's paying the insurance and we just want to go to the doctor and get a pill and feel better. He said, if we'd stop and say, let's get the elders over here, I'm going to give God a shot and anoint you with oil. He said, we'd see a whole lot more miracles if we would just ask. He said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be open. Come on, people. I'm not making this up. This is in the book. Why don't we see more miracles than we used to see? We're so blessed that we've forgotten that it's sacrifice that unlocks the supernatural because we've never had to sacrifice really in our lives. Now, I'm not talking about having to work for a living, okay? If you think working for a living is sacrifice, you miss the whole Adam and Eve deal. Come on, I'm not making this up. This is in the book. When I find Eve and Adam, even in heaven, I'm probably going to put a thumping on them. I could have been in the fig leaves. That's a scary thought. I'm to a stage in my life, I go by a mirror like this. That's clothed. But Adam and Eve wrecked it for us, man. Dude, it's just eat whatever you want, as much as you want, look like him. Just chilling in the garden. What y'all doing today? Same stuff, just chilling. What you going to eat? I don't know. Got to look what's around here. Let's see what, well, I'll eat some of that. You mean you ain't got to plant and you got to plow and you got to dig and you got to wheat? No, no. Man, God's provided all this stuff for us. Look at there at that apple. That's on the wrong tree, Eve. Get away from there. That's why you got to do that. So if you think working, if you think the blessing of God for a job is sacrifice, you, 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 I don't know how to help you. And I'm gonna, while, I'm, while I'm on this subject, you got a very highly trained pastor. He can fix all this when I'm gone. 
wouldn't give you a plug nickel for a man that won't work. Put down your game, boy, and grow up. You ain't called to play games. You're a grown man. Get a job. Send your stinking wife out to work while you stay home trying to break your record on a game. Something's the matter with you. Bible said if you won't work and support your family, you're less than an infidel. Watch me. Let me make it plain for you. You're going to hell. Well, I love Jesus and talk in tongues all day while I'm playing my game. You're going to hell. Straight in. You ain't going past New York Place. You ain't going past 200 bucks. You're going in. You're on the Hell Express. We were made as men to provide. But I'm a man. Get a job. Am I the only one raised like that? My dad jerked your tail out of bed at 6 o'clock every Saturday morning. You're going on bus ministry. It's Saturday. It's my only morning to sleep in. It ain't your morning to sleep in. I don't know where you're at. You like living in this house? Get up. Oh, we need gentle parenting. Yeah, that's getting us somewhere, right? That's working. There are no problems with that theory at all. My mama carried a wood spoon everywhere she went. We called it the ministry of the wooden spoon. My mama hit you in the side of your head and trapped a top piece of skin on your ear to your skull, and it was like you got shot with a 22. <laughs> Getting up, running in and out of church, acting a fool, whap! <laughs> I'll tell you something else. It never crossed my mind to ask my parents if we was going to church. Yeah. I don't know why I'm preaching this, but I feel to do it. We got people, if they got a relative they don't even like in town, in somebody else's house, they can't come to church. Stop it! This is the house of the Lord. This is where everything is. This is where all of life makes sense. It's just old-timey preaching, but it's the kind of stuff that'll save you. It's the kind of stuff that'll build a church. It's the kind of stuff that'll save your kids. I charge extra for that. Well, how do I unlock the supernatural power of God? You sacrifice. Listen to me. They tell you to gamble responsibly. You know, over here in Tunica, gamble responsibly. That's stupid. Responsible people don't gamble. There's a reason why they got them lights on. Because there's a sucker born every day. And I think sometimes it's got maybe have our picture on it. Listen to me. You don't, you don't gamble when you sacrifice for the Lord. Now, if you put your money in the stock market, may the force be with you. Unless you're a politician. I need my wife here to go. Don't, don't get on that. Every Sunday after church, I get a list of things I can never say again. <laughs> I mean, it's a word. It's not a bad word. Why can't I say that word? 
I have found that about 56 years old, your filter gets irreparably broken. I was preaching about the love of Jesus recently. And I've got a multinational, multicultural church. I've got about 25 or 30 different nationalities. I got everything in the rainbow. They all, I got all the different kinds. And then I've got them intermarried, and whatever those things are from that intermarriage, I got all that. You ever open a color chart? I got them all. Every one of them. And I was preaching about the love of the Lord. And I said, you know, God loves everybody. He loves black people. He loves white people. He loves Asian people. He loves Indians, both kinds. Whoa, 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 7 Eleven. My wife's over there taking notes. <laughs> After church, she said, you can never say that again. We're online and people will see this. Well, people need to know about the love of God. So whatever I mess up, please God, turn the camera off. We have to revive. Where's the musician? Where's the musician? In the sound booth. Well, how can you play the piano back there? I want you to come up here and sit down. I'm not through, but it gives them hope. Your only salvation is that I am hungry. We have to revive our understanding of sacrifice. Because I'm going to tell you something. I, I ask about it. I ask about the log in the prayer room. Because I knew there had to be a story. And I was never made aware of the story. And I was told the story of how a man went every day to that particular log and prayed. And it got to be such a powerful witness in this community that people that don't go to this church, farmers and such, would come and say, it ain't rain in such and such time. We got to have rain or we're going to lose it all. And he'd take them down there. I love the fact that he didn't just go. You want me to pray? You coming. And he'd pray and it'd rain. Okay, that is the generation that we've got to get back to. Now, now listen to me. We got to get back. And I'm not talking about we got to throw all the technology away, although I don't understand how to work it. I send people texts, and they say I sent it to them, and I, I declare I didn't. Won't me. Wasn't me. I didn't do it. Yeah, I got it right here. Now, I'm telling you, I didn't do that. Somebody got your phone? Nope, I got it, but I didn't do it. I, I don't know how to work it. And now they got a thing where you could be talking, it's recording everything you say. That is dangerous. <laughs> Ooh, that's dangerous. But I'm talking about that generation. But not even the generation. They're gone. They're not coming back. What I'm referring to is the spirit that brought them and gave them what we enjoy today. You don't tell me what drives me nuts? I'm glad you asked. There's certain things that perturb me. And one of them is when some young buck takes a church that a man's given his life to build 
And he's bought it on his knees and blood, sweat, and tears. And that sucker gives it up on his feet. If you want to go charismatic, go start you one. Get after it. But don't take years of sacrifice and throw it out the window because you got a better idea. I don't know why I'm preaching about any of this, but I feel in my spirit that some of us need to reconnect, not with the era, but with the faith and the sacrifice that said we need this, we know how to get it. We know how to move the kingdom forward. So how do we revive things that we have let slip away. You don't revive it by understanding it. You revive it by doing it. We talk a lot about prayer. In fact, we talk more about prayer than we do praying. Hey, I'm a professional at prayer, dude. I can tell you everything about prayer. Well, do you pray? Well, every now and then. We have faith in faith, but we've forgotten that it's not faith in faith, it's faith in God. You know why we talk about faith in faith? Because we don't practice it. Okay. Those who can do, those who can't teach. You've heard that saying? Those who can do, do it. Those who can't do, teach others how to do it. We can't be that as an apostolic church. Listen to me. We have to walk in the anointing and the calling of God. And when I say walk in it, I don't mean walk spouting it off. I mean walk doing it. Uh, If there's a prayer meeting, you better get your kids in the car and you better get them to the house of the Lord. Because if you don't do it, uh, they will know that prayer is not vital or important in their family or their... Mark chapter 12, all my life, I'm fixing to shut up, I promise, you can start playing. The other day I told a piano player he could start tinkling and my wife said, that can never be said again. (laughs) I meant on the... Thank God for my help meet. You know, I find that we work on me a lot in my marriage. Me. We don't ever work on her. We work on me a lot in my marriage. Apparently, I'm the problem. Any of you husbands that are out there that know what I'm talking about, don't say nothing. My God, don't say nothing. Just look straight ahead. He ain't got that much time in the office this month. All my life, I've been told we have to revive sacrifice. Right? How many of you have ever heard a good preacher preach about sacrifice? Anybody in this room ever heard anything about sacrifice? Come on, raise your hand. You husband can raise your hand now. All my life, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. I'd go to the altar and slobber and cry. (laughs) I don't know what it means. Just being honest. That's my problem. I'm honest. And one day sitting in my office, I was praying and I said, Lord, everybody's told me my whole life that sacrifice unlocks the power of God. And I really need the power of God right now. 
can you help me understand what sacrifice really is? And I wish I could tell you the Lord spoke to me. He did not. That's pretty par for the course for me. When God speaks to me, it's usually when I'm reading the Bible. You'll get that after a while. But I began to study for a Bible class I had that night at our church. And I was teaching through the book of Mark. And just so happened it was the day I was in chapter 12. And I was studying for my lesson that night. And as I read it, all of a sudden the Lord said, there it is. That is my definition. Jesus' definition of what sacrifice is. Put it up there, Mark chapter 12. Start with verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. You're rich. You gave a bunch of money. Okay. Next verse. And there came a certain poor widow. Here we go again. Every time we're talking about sacrifice and giving and money and unlocking the supernatural, he always uses a widow. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Everybody say a Coca-Cola. About enough money to buy a Coca-Cola. Now, you got all these rich people come by putting in vast sums of money. And here comes this poor little widow woman, and she put in two mites, which make a farthing. Verse 43, and he called unto him his disciples. Now, watch me. While the rich are casting in huge amounts, Jesus did not even move a muscle. He just sat there. It's just rich people giving a bunch of money. So what? I'm not moved by that. It's no big deal. But here comes a widow woman and puts in enough to buy a Coke, and Jesus lost his ever-loving mind. He said, hey, guys, get over here. Get over here right now. Get over here. Verily I say unto you, that little widow that put in that farthing hath cast more in than all they, everybody say combined, than all they which have cast into the treasury. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. I ain't real good at mathing, but, but I can count. They put in a whole lot more money than she did, and it dawned on me. Jesus is defining sacrifice Sacrifice is not an amount. There's not this benchmark of a certain number, and if you hit that number, then you sacrifice, and I'll unlock the windows of heaven and bless you. Sacrifice is different for everybody in this room. Some of you can write a $10,000 check tonight and never miss it, and that ain't sacrifice. Some of you can write a $500 check, and it's going to impact your life for the next few weeks and months. The $500 is sacrifice. The $10,000 is not. Because sacrifice has to impact your lifestyle for a time. When the rabbis are teaching the Jewish people about sacrificial context, 
they use the term three to four months. If I give this amount of money for the next three to four months, I'm going to have to adjust some things. I'm going to have to change my lifestyle just a little bit to make sure we get through this time and that sacrifice. Next verse. For all they, everybody say the rich people, did cast in of their abundance. Everybody say superfluous. The literal translation of the word that's translated abundance is superfluous. Superfluous is a fancy word that means stuff that doesn't matter. I can give this amount of money. It don't make any difference. I'm still going to go on the same vacation. I'm still going to buy the same car. I'm still giving my baby girl the same thing for, for her graduation. I'm still sending them to the same college. We're still buying the same clothes. We're still doing all the things that we're going to do. Nothing's going to change. Superfluous. He said the reason why the wealthy people casting in much didn't make any difference to me and the reason why it didn't excite me at all is because it didn't matter to them. It didn't cost them anything. Watch me. In lifestyle. But she, everybody say the widow, of her want, everybody say living, the word want is a word in the Hebrew, that, or in the Greek rather, that, that, that is, is meant to be necessities to sustain life. But she, of her necessities, did cast in all that she had, even all her. So, Brother Varnell, we want to unlock the supernatural in our life. How do we do it? Well, you don't sacrifice by giving God some, something you got that doesn't matter. So, Brother Varnell, I could probably give tonight. Just I could probably, it wouldn't hurt me to give 10, 15,000. Then it's not a sacrifice. Only you know that if I give this amount of money. First time I preached this to my church, I had a man named Ralph Kewins. Old Virginia, West Virginia coal miner rugged man come to an altar and begin to sob and cry what I didn't know is that he was about to give an offering that was going to change the life of his family and he gave an amount I will respect his wishes and not tell you what it was but it was a ludicrous amount of money for a coal miner all three, him, his wife, and his two daughters and their husbands lived in mobile homes. I'm not against mobile homes. I grew up in one in Louisiana, Texas, my grandmother. She had more money than Jesus, but she was tight as a tick, dear God, the one was tight as a hair. So we took our offering. We've been doing this for 12 years. He died last year. God, I miss that man. He was, he was, he'd weep at the drop of a hat. He could, he could just go into the spirit to drop him a hat. Big old man, he'd get to praying. I used to sneak into church to listen to him pray in the mornings. I'd sneak into church and get down between the chairs in the back just to listen to him pray. You can't replace that. How, how do you, how, uh. But I was going to, told our people, I said, we've raised a lot of money. We've raised over two and a half million dollars. We paid off another $2 million in debt. We're debt-free. We got all this money in the bank. We're going to build this building. At the time, it hadn't gone up. 
And he said, uh, I, we're going to do it. We're going to be great, man. We're going to be tremendous. Gonna be great. I said, we're going to take this year and next year off from our sacrificial offering because sacrifice has become a part of the culture of our church now. We've been doing it for 12 years. Every year we'll take up between three dollars and $500,000 and we run about 200 people. Every year, just like clockwork. Every year, second Sunday of March. I don't beg, don't plead, never have, and I'm not begging and pleading with you. If you don't want to unlock the supernatural, keep your money. God bless you. I said, we're going to take the next two years off. And Brother Kewens was instantly on his feet, and he lifted his hands. You don't talk out in our church. You said you hide down there. We're going to have church. If you need to talk, we'll talk after church. He said, Brother Barnell, can I say something? And he started crying. And I said, what are you going to say, you know, to the, the grandpa of the church? No, have a seat. I said, yes, sir, you can say something. He stepped out in the aisle because somewhere they told him you can't talk in the pew. So he stepped out in the aisle. And he said, Brother Varnell, I'm begging you not to take our sacrifice offering from us. I said, huh? I, 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 he said, please don't take it from us. He said, when we started giving this 10, 12 years ago, he said, all my family was living in homes that weren't right, weren't good. He said, now all of them have brand new brick homes. He said, me and mama live in the most beautiful place we've ever lived in. He said, I've learned that this is where God blesses my family. Please don't take my offering from me. No sooner did he sit down than James Holman stood up and said, I'd like to join my voice, pastor, with that of Brother Kewens. Please don't take our sacrifice offering from us. And another, and another. And another, and another. Finally, I said, okay, I mean, if, if, all right, God bless you. <laughs> that Sunday, we took up almost half a million dollars. We're fixing to walk into an 18,000 square foot place brand new. I'm scared it's going to be packed when we move in it, in spite of me. But if I could show you some of the stories of people in that church, crack addicts strung out, don't even know where their children are, and they come in that place, Brother Kewens would slide up beside them, put his big old arm around them, and start telling them how much Jesus loved them and how much he can help them. If you obey him, he can help you. Is it okay if I pray for you? Yeah, and they'd start praying. And the next thing you know, they're talking in tongues. You see, the God of glory said that he's going to bless you. But it's not for you. It's so that you can be a blessing to others. Now I'm going to say something to you. And then we're going to take our offering. I need to get my people, whoever my... We're going to do my calculating to come up here. I need to get my ushers ready. Your pastor is a man. I thank God for manly men in the pulpit. We live in a generation where we have taken men and pushed them down and made them less valuable because they're men. Don't be ashamed of being a man. Be a man. Be a man. Like girls, in Jesus' name, like girls. 
And if you don't like girls, keep it to yourself. Permanently. Forever. We can counsel and help you and pray you without a sin. We, that other stuff's hard to deal with. But your pastor being a man is a provider. We were talking a little bit about his girls and how they got him wrapped. Hey, girls, if y'all need something, come talk to me. I'll tell you how to get it. Pretty much they bat their eyes and daddy goes to slinging money at them. I understand. I'm the same way. I got two boys, and we're, we're about to have a, my first grandbaby. And if it's a girl, God help us all. Because whatever happens, she's right, and y'all are wrong. And I don't have to deal with it. Her mom and daddy do, and I'm going to get him back. But as a man, your pastor don't want to ask you for money. Your pastor's instinct is to help you provide for yourself. The instinct of a pastor is to give and protect, not ask for sacrifice. But please notice that in our text, God commanded the prophet to go to a land that was in famine. Come on, listen to me. A man was sent, a man of God was sent to a place of famine to ask a widow woman who was about to starve to death for her last morsel. You want to know why God had to command Elijah to go do it? Because it's not natural for men to do that. When I see a woman that's in need, a widow woman, I don't go ask her for what she's got. I go figure out a way to get some extra money to help her. That's what a man does. That's instinct. That's the way we're made. Elijah did not want to ask her for that, but God commanded that he do it. He said, I've commanded you to get up and go down there, and I'm going to have a widow woman there that's going to provide for you, and you got to go ask. But I propose to you, if he had not asked her, she would have starved to death. I don't enjoy asking people for money. Let me tell you a little secret about me. I hate taking up an offering. Last year, I preached 36 of these services on Sunday nights. Preach my service, go to the airport, fly out, preach a service just like this. We raised in the last seven years, we've raised, I think the last figure is close to, close to $22 million for the kingdom of God. And I've asked the Lord, don't, don't make me do this. I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be known as the, the money guy. Every time I walk around, people put both hands on their billfold. I don't want to be that guy. I want to go preach to people about the goodness of God, man, and getting the Holy Ghost and being healed and loving Jesus and worshiping and all these miracles. That's what I want to do. I said, you do what I tell you to do. I hate to take an offering. But I have come to the place to where I've realized if I don't obey God and go ask, churches will be taking baby steps when the world is wrapping up. And so I don't like it, but I'm going to stand flat-footed and look you in your face and ask you to pray about what constitutes sacrifice in your life. 
Which way is the new one? Right out here is already a beautiful place. That's a 15 to $20 million building where I'm at. Plus, you would have no hair left by the time you got a permit. No, no, I mean, that man, you got a lot of hair. Them people crazy up there. I mean, they're certifiably nuts. They got crazy cards. But I'm standing here flat-footed asking you, because I know there's a ton of people out of church tonight. You look around this room, and I can tell you right now, there is a ton of people gone. Some of them's already gone to Nashville. Some of them went home and forgot we had church. Some of them heard I was preaching and said, Dear God, don't go. But you're here, and God knew you were going to be here, and God sent me here because we need to finish that building next door. And we need to make it a showplace. I don't know why I feel like saying a showplace, but all day long I've prayed and I kept hearing the term, we need to build a showplace for the glory of God. And we need to do it in Potts Camp, Mississippi. Now, I am going to tell you, I don't hear a lot of God spoke to me, but I kept hearing the phrase while we were having church, while you were singing, I want to make this a regional center that proves to people you can have revival anywhere. So Elijah asked her, and she obeyed. Do you realize the moxie it takes for a mother, knowing I've got one meal between me and my son starving to death, to obey a man who it wasn't her God, it was his God? But verse 15 said, she went and did according to all she went and did according to all, he said. And then when she got home, it didn't just sustain her life, but it opened the windows of her ability to minister to others and to keep them alive. What a symbol and a type of what revival takes place when we really do things Jesus' way. Now, you say, Brother Varnell, that's a beautiful story about the widow woman, but what's that got to do with us? Let me tell you how powerful it is. I'm going to give you, this is, the, this, is the, this is the punchline right here, so pay attention. We're going to take the offer, and I'm going to shut up. Matthew chapter 12, Pastor, was during the Passion Week of Christ. We believe, scholars believe, that Matthew 12, 41 through 44 took place within 72 hours of him physically being nailed to a cross. So what's that got to do with anything? Can you imagine? He's God. He knows what's coming. The cross wasn't a surprise. That's why he's in the garden saying, hey, can we do this another way? Is there any way we can do this another way? He knew what was coming. He was God manifest in the flesh. He knew he was going to be nailed to a tree. He knew it before he was ever in the form of flesh. And when he came to flesh, he was born with the knowledge that I'm going to be killed for this. He knew he was going to be nailed to a cross. But watch me, watch me very carefully. It was so important to him to teach his disciples about the way, the way and the means that he was going to propagate his church. 
I'm fixing to go buy it. In 72 hours, I'm going to go buy the church. I'm going to go pay the price. I'm going to redeem humanity and lost, all of lost mankind. I'm going to pay the price with my own flesh and blood. But before I do, i got to take the time out. In this week of all this stuff going on around me, it is so important that I teach you how we're going to move the kingdom forward. And he took them to church and he gave them the divine definition of what means sacrifice and what means giving. So I want to ask you this question and then we're going to pray and then you're going to fill out the cards that the ushers are getting prepared right now to give you. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. Listen to me very carefully. This is not just building a building. This is enlarging our ability to encompass the lost. Because when everybody's home, there ain't enough room in here to put people. And I'm going to tell you what's not the will of God is that people don't want to come because they don't want to put somebody out that's a member. So we have a task and we have a mission and we have an urgency. And now we have a tool. Come on, we have a task, a mission, and an urgency. And now we have a tool. And the tool is sacrifice. You say, well, Brother Varnell, man, I, I've, I've done this before. and hey, Stop. If you don't want to give, we do not want your money. This is not about money. This is about you understanding that if I want to unlock what takes care of me and what takes care of my children, but more than that, what takes care of everyone I'm associated with, my household, my whole family, my whole sphere of influence, then I'm going to have to do it by Bible means. So please, if you feel pressured, don't. Don't. If you're not giving because of the mission and you're not giving because of the understanding of the word, don't. Please. I don't want you to leave here feeling like that preacher talked me out of it. No. I want you to leave here going, I planted a seed. I planted a seed. Let's pray right now. Ask God specifically what he would have you and your family give that would constitute a sacrifice for your household. Come on, we're Pentecostals. We pray out loud. Open your mouth and pray like you know how to pray. Come on, open your mouth and pray. Let me hear you pray in this place right now. Come on, Holy Ghost. Talk to us. Come on, I know it's been more like a Bible study than a sermon, but I'm asking you to pray right now. Come on, pray right now. Ask the Lord to help you know what to give. God, I'm asking you to put it in the hearts of every man and woman in here what your will is for them, not one penny more and not one penny less. 
And God, I'm asking you to absolutely blow our minds tonight at what we as one united force with one focus and one purpose can accomplish to move your kingdom forward in a quantum leap, God, that would provide in a quick and a timely fashion for the lost of our area. God, touch us, touch our hearts, touch our minds, touch our souls. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to tell you one more thing that happened to me, and then we're going to take up the offering. I normally get five closings. I'm only going to use three tonight. They brought us our contracts to sign for our building, and we were prepared to sign them. But right before we signed our contracts, we got a notice from the city that it was going to be three months of process that we had to go through because they had to do some stuff, some paperwork they had to do. And the quickest it could be done by law was three more months. In that three months, everybody looking at me, in that three months, our building program went up $800,000. The steel for our building went from 184000 to 560000 The concrete went from 211000 to 469000 That's concrete and steel. And you all know what fuel costs, and you all know everything else costs. We lost $800,000 in three months. So here I am going, God, we have saved and given sacrificially for all these years. I've been preaching your word to these people that if we sacrifice, God's going to open the supernatural windows of heaven. How in the world am I going to face these people, God? That's what preachers think. That's what, that's what the ones who are honest and talk to you about it think. God, I've been out here hollering about how awesome you were. This don't look real awesome, Lord. Meanwhile, my wife found something called the John C. Lasco Grant Fund. And she, on a whim, my wife's a, she's smarter than me, which is not hard to be. Um, she, she, she is an accountant. And she began to search this and found this company that gives money to churches, grant money. You don't have to pay it back. It's free money. Here you go. They give money to churches just to build a sanctuary. Not, not, not the bathrooms, not the foyer, not, just this room. And there's a, there's a formula they do, so many square feet, so much dollars, and, and they'll give you that much money if you qualify. And you've got to file out this whole deal. My wife filled out a booklet for them that was almost 300 pages. You've got to show them your finances every six ways from Sunday. You've got to tell them what you're planning to do with this money, what the vision of your church is, how you're going to impact your community, how you're going to touch and help people who are underprivileged, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And she worked diligently on it. Well, meanwhile, we get this thing back. We're $800,000 in the hole. And so I was given these paper, this paperwork before Sunday morning church. Please don't ever do that to your pastor. Please don't present the man that's fixing to walk into a pulpit with a million-dollar bill that he didn't know he was about to get and don't have the money for. I walked up to the pulpit a little, whoo, hey, things are rubbery. Ah, I got to go face these people that sacrificed, and the thing I've told them seems to be wrong. But I went to the pulpit, and in my mind, I heard the Lord say, preach it harder than you've ever preached. And I started preaching faith. My God, I preached stuff I didn't even believe. It's just, ah. I was walking around like a banny rooster, man. I was, I was stepping high, and I was just, if any, I'd kick a bush, anything run out, I'd shoot it. I just, 
That's my daddy's style of preaching. He said, just kick the bushes and shoot whatever runs out. Amen. Amen. I preached faith, and while I was preaching, I had my wife go get that big old file full of contracts that I just signed for the money I didn't have. And I said, bring them up here on the platform. She brought them up here. I said, get up here and stand on them with me. We divided them, and we stood up on them, and we got to dancing on them stupid things. Then people that got them back probably thought, my God, what's all these footprints on them for? I didn't care. I was desperate. I needed God to intervene. But this church has really sacrificed for years. Fast forward about six weeks. We're sitting in our living room, and I'm still, come on, Jesus. Ooh, come on, Jesus. Uh, come on now, Jesus. One thing about the Lord, he has not learned he needs to operate on my schedule. And all of a sudden, my wife, who's pretty reserved, we're sitting in the living room. We're rarely ever all there together as a family. One of them's married and all, but we happen to all be in the house that day. And my little demure wife, she's little, but she's mean. Don't mess with her. Not to be trifled with. She lost her mind. She jumped up and went to screaming and jumping and talking in tongues. And I was, I was like, she said, we got it. I said, what did we get? I didn't know. I'm in COVID. We got it. I don't want it. I said, what do we get? She said, they gave us every dime we asked for. Our church got a $780,000 grant. So if you ask me, do I believe that sacrifice is really the thing that unlocks the supernatural? You better bet your boots I do because I'm standing here tonight. And I'm not preaching to you about what happened to somebody else. I'm telling you what happened to my hide. I was in an impossible position. But I found that when I do what I can, God will do what I can't. And he provides for his people. Since then, we've had multiple men walk into our church and give $50,000 and $100,000 and $120,000 and $80,000. People we don't even know. And so they called me the day and said, we're a quarter million dollars over budget. And I'm like an idiot and said, it don't make no difference. It don't matter. God's got this. We're going to be fine. Everything's okay. What are you saying? I am telling you that when you do what you can in sacrifice, I promise you, if it don't happen, you tell them I'm a liar. God will do what you can't. All right, I'm done preaching because I'm tired. We're going to take this offering. Where's my ushers? Ushers, pass out the cards. Now, you say, this is a weird service. We're not even having an altar call. We're going to have a rejoicing session here in a minute. So I'm going to get me some singers up here, and we're going to sing, and we're going to rejoice. This morning at Brother Caleb Adams, we raised enough money to pay off his building and to start the building process for the second phase. We raised $307,000. Oh, okay. That's no big deal, I guess. I'm going to say it one more time. We raised $307,000 at his church this morning. Watch me. We've been doing it every year for I think it's five years now. We raised enough money to pay that whole building off and start the next one. And I don't think it's going to be any different here tonight.
Now, a lot of times when I do these services, at the end, pastors are really antsy and they get nervous because we're not shouting and kicking chairs and flipping benches and spitting and sputtering and spitting on each other. Calm down. I'm a highly trained professional. Everything's going to be fine. We are fixing, watch me, not to talk about something. We're fixing to do something. Everybody said we're going to do something. Now, he said you need a million to two million dollars to finish this building. And my God, I don't have two million dollars. We're not asking you for two million dollars. We're asking you to determine between you and God what is a sacrifice for your family. That's it. And if we'll all do that, it's going to blow our minds what's fixing to happen in this room. Somebody said amen. Well, would somebody else say amen? Could I get everybody to say amen? You can take a piece of paper and listen to me at the same time. You're not that uncoordinated. All right, everybody listen to me very carefully. Where's that card? I need one of them cards. Is yours filled out? I don't need you filled out. I want to see. At the top of this sheet of paper, everybody have one, raise your head up. Let me see it. Raise it up. One per family, one per person, one per working individual. On the top is your name. You should know that by now. Fill that in. Come on, people. Those are my best jokes. Uh, underneath it says cash tonight, the money you're going to actually put in the plate tonight. Underneath that says pledge amount in 120 days. Everybody say four months. We'll give you four months to turn in what you don't give tonight. And then on the bottom it says total. The total is the total of the cash you're giving tonight plus the pledge. We want the total amount. If you need to take your shoes off to do the math, fine. But we need to know the total amount. Everybody said amen. Fill them out right now. If you still haven't decided what you want to give, fill them out. Brother, I need you to move the decimal point to the end of that and add four more zeros. Amen. There you go. Praise God. Come on, smile, people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. My God, some of y'all got the Holy Ghost and you look like it hurts. The Holy Ghost don't hurt. It's joy. It's fun. It's great. And you can have fun in church. Some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen happened in church. You can text to give. If you have cash app, you can text to give. That's what they're saying. I don't even know what that means. My Lord, man, if you fall off that bill full, you're going to be paralyzed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Smile, people. It's, 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 we're not at the dentist. We're at church. Smile. Amen. See, some people believe you've got to be all serious. You've got to be holy and mad about it. You know, that's not true. The joy of the Lord is my strength. God wants us to be happy. Smile, dear Lord. God has chosen us out of everybody. If you need to talk to your wife, talk to your wife. I highly recommend talking to your wife. They usually got more sense than us. How many of y'all nervous? Are you nervous? Don't be nervous. I'm a highly trained professional. I got all kind of stupid jokes. We can do this all night. Amen. I want everybody to fill it out, and then this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it in a unique way. Because every now and then I like to just say to the devil, 
You think that's a joke. It's not. Every now and then I like to just rub it in his face. Well, we're in a bad economy. We're not in a bad economy. The world's in a bad economy. We live in Goshen. Oh, come on now. We can be separate. Oh, we're a separate people, but boy, we're, we want to say we're subject to everything. No, the same God that segregated you out of the unrighteous into the righteous category has a different economy for you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. He's segregating you out. Uh, that's a whole other sermon for another night, and I don't have time or energy, but we are not subject to the same subject, to the same things the world is. We're different. We are different. God provides for his people, especially his people who sacrifice. And that woman gave in a famine, and God provided not just for her, but her whole family. And that's where we are tonight. So fill it out. Don't turn it in yet. Fill it out. Fill it out. Fill it out. If you have it filled out, just raise your hand. We're going to be here a while. All right, we'll give you a little more time. Give you a little more time. I need one of my ushers with a big offering plate. Brother Connor, are you doing that tonight? Get me a big old deep offering plate. We're going to start over here on my left. Right over here on my left. We're going to start over here on my left. Now, here's what we're going to do. Everybody listen to me so you know what we're going to do. You've never done it like this before probably in this church, which is fine. I'm a little different if you hadn't figured that out. Brother Connor's going to stand right up here. Right up here. Brother Connor's going to stand right up here. He's going to turn around, and he's going to smile in his new suit. Amen. And uh, look at the shot. Everybody in these two sections, when you get them filled out, is going to march up here and put them in this plate. And your marching is this. Don't fold them up. Please, Lord, don't fold them up because they're going to have to unfold them to figure it all out. If you've got them folded up, unfold them in the name of Jesus. I rebuke folding. I rebuke folding. We're not going to tell everybody what you did. Nobody cares. Put it in there. We're not, we're not trying to sell you out. All right, everybody got it in these two sections. Come on, these two sections. Unfold, unfold, unfold. I rebuke folding. Oh, the usher's got yours? Well, you going to just march anyhow and just smile and grin at me? He done took the money and left. He looks smart. He looks smart. We unfolded them. Oh, the blessings of the Lord. Be. Oh, you're collecting them. Well, hey, I'm not against that either. Well, just collect the rest of them, man. Oh, you didn't get to them? Well, we take that. Yes, sir. If you wrote it down on the paper, we're not clairvoyant. We don't know whose it is if you didn't do it. But. All right, everybody, these two sections right here, if you haven't brought yours that hasn't been collected, bring it right now. If you haven't brought yours that hasn't been collected, bring it right now. Y'all ready? Limber up your fingers, stretching exercises. Now, people say, Brother Varnell, Mike, no, no, if you're from over here, don't come over here. Just these two sections over here. My Lord in heaven. All right, all right, all right. Y'all wait your turn. You wait your turn to be blessed. Put it in there right there. My God. You can put anything in there, credit cards, birth certificates, 
passports. Don't put bills in here. We've got plenty of our own. Amen. Everybody got it in over here, everybody on this side. All right. I'll take that because those steps are high. I'll bring it right back. You're welcome. Is that a trash can? It's an offering play tonight, right? Whatever it takes, we don't care. Comes down over here in this middle, the middle section right here. Now, y'all, I tell you the best way to do this is split it up. She does half, you do half. You write down your totals and flip it and check each other's work. Nothing like a pre-service meeting, is there? <laughs> That's my fault. It is not your pastor's fault. He asked the question and I didn't tell him. Brother, can you play something? Elevator music or something. I'm almost out of jokes. Do we have folding? Oh, we don't have folding. I thought we had folding. We'll get them lined up so you can get them added up. See how helpful I am? Well, I can't do it no more. It's I'm bending over. What you think? You, you a preacher? You ain't gonna mount nothing till you gain some weight. about 200 pounds from being anointed, brother. I've been wanting to do this all service. Uh, brother Connor, everybody in the center section, you can stand and bring yours now. Give them to Brother Connor. I told y'all this was going to be a different sort of service. These two sections over here, you wait your turn to be blessed. Brother Connor, you got a fan there hugging you. Is that a grandbaby? Just a boy in the church? That looks like a boy right there. He could tear up something. That boy could tear up an anvil. I like them like that. That's the way I like them right there. You got them? I'll take them. Oh, Jesus. Oh. I'm not going to add them to your stack yet. I'm not going to confuse this. Oh, we got another one? Stand in front of these two sections. As soon as y'all have your totals. You got the gift of discernment, brother. Some of this writing is looks like mine.
we're going to try to sick my wife on that grant for y'all. I'm believing the Lord might have some free money for y'all. She's smarter than your average bear, my wife is. She had a bad day when she said, I do. I snuck up on her. She didn't know. You know what? I trust you because I watched you do it. Let's just add these two together. If you're giving electronically by one of these methods, please note that it's for the building so that, so that when it comes through, we'll know where to put it. If you've already sent it and you didn't, you might write Sister Joanna a note so she'll know when she sees it. Thank you. All right, let's send that to the, to the people in the back and they're going to put it up on this screen, your total. People in the sound booth. Send it to him, fella in the lumberjack shirt. Looks like a long distance runner. Like me. Now that brother could be anointed right there, I'm gonna tell you. Amen. This right here? No bueno. You sent, you sent you a message. When you get that message, I want you to project it up on this screen, and then we're going to rejoice. You sent it to them? Y'all sent it to us? All right, here's the second part, but I don't want to get you confused. Get set. Go. Okay. The sum total is three hundred dollars. Says right there. Are these are the cards you've already counted. Okay. On your mark. Get set. Project. $300. Questions? It's four months. Four months. Well, I'm just ans answering some questions that I'd be in text. Four months, which would make it March 19th. Uh, you can... You can give it at any time between now and then if you need to make payments on it between now and then um, that's fine and uh, you can pay it electronically you can send a check cash any of that I feel pretty confident in telling you that if it's four months and two weeks we'll probably go ahead and take it I'm not sure but probably all right everybody in these two sections Oh, come on now. Let's rejoice a little bit. My, 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 my. Tell Brother Adams we're coming for him. Hallelujah.
Brother Connor, that's a lot of money. All right, enough of that. Take this big over here. These two sections, if you're ready, get up, march, put it in here. We're fixing to do something for the Lord around here. We're finna do something for the Lord around here. You want me to take these and put them over here on the pulpit so you don't get them confused? Wait a minute, wait a minute, dear Lord, wait a minute. That was up under there. Hey guys, $92,000 ain't nothing. That's a lot of money. That's going to buy a lot of stuff over here. We're finna move this thing forward, amen? The only thing I ask is this. Let me come back. I don't want to preach, but let me come back for the dedication. I want to be fair for the dedication. I feel like there might be some banana pudding involved. My heart's in the right place. Send that to him, and then he can add it up back there, and he's going to put that up first. What she's sending you, my brother, Paul Bunyan, when she sends that to you, when she says... I'm not making fun of the man. It's a nice shirt. Okay, I'm sort of making fun of the man. But she's going to send you a total, brother, of this section. Put that up there. And while that's up there, total this section, and the 92 plus this, and then we'll put up there for a total. Oh, we're already over here? Did I get all y'all? Okay. I'll keep these up here so we don't get them corn-fused. Just cash. Come on now. 45,761. Plus 92. Oh, come on. Glory to God. Now add it up, brother. I'll take my shoes off. You need to use my toes. Jesus. 
Y'all, that's pretty amazing. Look what God's people can do when they decide to do it together. Those of you who are concerned that I might be seeing these totals, I can't see the end of this microphone without my glasses. So you're safe. We just sent it. So display that one by itself and then add them together and y'all calm down in advance. I feel like we're fitting to see the hand of the Lord. Get set, go. These people's hungry. Look at them. They look at growling at me. Wow. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. That ain't nothing. 161, 449. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there we go.
All right. We are $741 from $300,000. Who? Who, when, and where? I feel like we might be able to raise $700. Well, I was fixing to say lock the back doors, but uh, somebody will pay it. Well, now we're over. Now I'm going to have to take another $500,000. Oh, here we go. Everybody listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. I know we've been here a minute tonight, all right? But I don't think we've been here too long when you start looking at what we've accomplished. $300,000 for the glory of God. So whatever it is we got to buy to go to the next level over here, let's go get it done. Come on, let's go get it done. Everybody that's left, lift your hands and your voices and let's give God praise for what he's done. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise tonight. He is worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Come on, let's give him some thanksgiving. Oh God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, because you're making room for our family. You're making room for our friends. You're making room for our co-workers. Thank you, God, you're making room for our children and our grandchildren. Thank you, God, because you're making room for our prodigals that are coming back. Oh, hallelujah. I wish three of you guys would come and grab one of these and hold it up and just tell God, thank you for making room for these people. Thank you, God, for making room for these people. Oh, hallelujah. Now give God an advanced praise. One more time. Hallelujah. Lord, I worship somebody close to you and ask God to unlock the supernatural for their life in the name of Jesus. God, for their family, for their friends, for their co-workers, for their health, for their finances, for their spiritual life, in the name of Jesus. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise and shout with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. No service Wednesday night. We'll be at National Youth Convention Sunday morning. 
Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Come early. Let's rejoice and let's see what God will do. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise and you can be dismissed in Jesus' name.